Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast powered by the Oklahoma. And the Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with uh, fellow OU beat writer Joe Masato. And today, a special guest, uh, current Los Angeles Dodgers farmhand, former Oklahoma quarterback and outfielder, Cody Thomas. Cody, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join the podcast. Uh, obviously, we're uh, primarily focused on, on OU football, and we'll start uh, with that. I'm wondering, uh, you know, since you've been uh, in playing professional baseball and, and uh, have, have gone away from Oklahoma, although you played uh, most, or I guess all of this year in Tulsa, uh, how much do you keep track of uh, how things are going with the Sooners? Oh, you know, I still keep track. Um, obviously, our season went until second week of September, so and we were playing baseball every day. So I didn't get to really watch uh, many of the games, but I would I'd watch the highlights and um, check out all the stats and stuff. Uh, sure enough, I'm going to be up there in Norman this weekend, so I'm looking forward to watching them live in action for the first time this year. But um, it looks like they're off to a great start, and um, I'm sure they'll do well the rest of the way. Cody, you were around when uh, when Lincoln Riley uh, arrived in Norman there, and were obviously part of that 2015 quarterback battle there. Uh, what were your first impressions of, of Lincoln when he arrived, and have you been surprised at the, the the career trajectory and the way that his career really has taken off since he got there? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm surprised at all. Um, the first day Lincoln came in. He sat his quarterback down and basically the whole offense. He sat us down and basically said, "I don't care who we're going against. I don't care if it's the the Patriots defense. We're gonna do our job and put up points." And that confidence that he just brought in that first day, and uh, I feel like that just that fed into us, and um, he spread that confidence throughout all of us, and um, just really not surprised at all with the success he's had. I've, I've said that since day one, as, as soon as he got the head coaching job, and every time anyone asked me about him, like, that dude's the real deal. Um, a great football mind, a great guy. Um, definitely someone that you enjoy going out there and practicing with and, and competing for. Cody, you, you mentioned great football mind, and that's it's really interesting to me because OU now does these weekly segments on their radio show where they have Lincoln basically recount a play that he called several years ago. I mean, the latest one was when he was actually like a student assistant at Texas Tech. He wasn't even calling plays, and he remembers what they ran. How just rare do you think that is, and how how does that just help him as an offensive play caller? Yeah, I mean, getting being able to sit down day-to-day and film meetings with him and just the stuff that he could pick up and, and show us was just something I had never seen before. And, yeah, like you said, his memory. I've, I've seen one of the shows where he would recall some old plays, and it's just um, it's pretty remarkable. And that definitely definitely helps him out on the field, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, he's just a great IQ mind, and um, it's, it's paying off for him now. And I'm just really excited for uh, what the future holds for him in his career. His his high school coach David Wood at Muleshoe he's he he pretty much swears that he has a photographic memory. 
I, I haven't asked him about that. I don't know if that's right, but what he can do as far as recalling plays is, you know, under, you know, offensive coordinators or, or play callers that you played under at any level, whether that goes back to high school or not, like, has that been consistent that that's a pretty normal thing that um, play callers can do, or do you think it's sort of unique um, that he remembers basically everything? Um, I'm probably going to just go ahead and say that he's probably at the top of the list as far as that the memory goes, but I would say uh, most of my coaches uh, definitely are able to recall and um, go back to a play we ran multiple years ago. Um, even my first quarterback coach at OU, Josh Heifel, would do the same thing. We'd be watching something, and he goes, oh, we ran this play in 2009 in the national championship game against Florida, stuff like that. Like, he remembers stuff like that as well. I think that's – I mean, when you're watching film all day too, uh, stuff like that just edges in your mind. But I'm sure um, you have a little bit more of a, uh, a photographic memory to handle that stuff, uh, I would say. Um yeah, like I said, Lincoln has an unbelievable mind. Probably the the best I've seen um, as far as the memory and stuff goes. And, and Cody, you brought up Josh Heupel, and I wanted to go back to that 2014-2015 era. Uh, what was that like to go through as a quarterback where uh, the, the coach that you've been around, the one that played such a big part in recruiting you, uh, isn't there anymore? And you've got to go through that transition. I know, obviously, it's worked out really well for the Sooners, but at the time, was there some uh, trepidation about how things were going uh, inside the program? No, I mean, the first day of uh, my fall semester, we actually got a new baseball coach, too. So both, <laughs> both sides, both sports, I was dealing with new coaches. Um, you know, when Lincoln came in, like I said, the first day he got there, it was just like, you knew you were going to feel comfortable having him there. You knew um, that our program, or our offense at that time was going to be in the right hands. Um, I'm sad to see Josh Heifel go. Like I said, he recruited me. He's the one who got me there and gave me the opportunity. But um, when Lincoln came in, he made a very smooth transition and then um, and let us know that our slates were clean. Like he was coming in with no preconceived um, thoughts or um, feelings towards it. And he was going to, just uh, evaluate us on what he sees. So um, that was nice. And like I said, I have the mo- utmost respect for uh, Lincoln and how he uh, handled everything and just how he goes about his business. What was it like going through that, that quarterback battle in 2015? Obviously, in hindsight, it, it worked out pretty well for all involved as uh, you know Baker Mayfield goes on, obviously becomes a Heisman Trophy winner here. You wind up going to, to a baseball career and are moving up uh, there. But what was it like to be a part of that, and what was the feeling sort of day-to-day as you were battling between the two of you and, and Trevor Knight to try to become that starting quarterback? Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was intense, um, but all had a good spirit. Like I said, I mean, all three of us, me, Trevor, and Baker, were the best of friends. I lived with Trevor uh, during my college career and was hanging out with Baker every day. Um and we all wanted the same thing, and I think it just pushed us to make us better because um, we knew at the end of the day we were going to need all three of us at some point during the year, whoever was starting, backup, whatever. So um, I think we handled it really well, and we're still great friend, friends to this day. And um, Yeah, we had, a, we had a blast competing against each other. When did you start getting a sense of, of just how good Baker was that uh, 
it, you know, obviously I think a lot of us at the time thought that eh, maybe he could he could grow into, you know, maybe being the starter here at some point, but certainly isn't going to be, you know, a transcendent guy. And then obviously he became that. I think uh, a lot of people, we came, came out with a list before the season of all-time greatest Sooners, and he uh, topped out at number one. Was there a point during that either during that quarterback battle or during that next season where you start thinking, oh, there's there's something different here with this guy? Yeah, I mean, I think you could just feel the energy um, when we first started getting around everyone. Um, and then in in fall camp, I said something that stuck out. We were quarterbacks always have a short whistle on them, and um, they don't let them get hit or whatever. And you know how Baker he's always he's always on the move, always making. Um, extending the play and whatnot, and Coach Stoops would always, whoever was in charge of the whistle, would always blow the whistle as soon as like someone got near him, and he would always be yelling like crazy, like "I'm not going to be tackled there, I'm not going to be tackled there." And <laughs> all the coaches were like, eh, "I don't know, you might, you might be down." And sure enough, as soon as the game starts, he gets in those situations, and he's just got butter on his jersey and nothing to tackle him. And then you look back and you're like, "Wow, I guess he was right. He knew." <laughs> He knew what he was doing up there. Um, that was just one of the special things in practice. I would always see, like, they'd always blow the whistle, and he was still playing. Um, just never never gave up on a play. Um, and just, I mean, he had a great arm, very accurate with the football. And uh, same guy every day. Went out there and competed in practice every day, didn't take it for granted, and um, it got his work in. So I'm sure you're you're not surprised at all at the success that he's had uh during his, his uh, initial time in the NFL? No, no. You know, my manager last year in high ball was um, a big Browns fan, and he was skeptical and asked me a bunch of questions, and I'm like, you guys are in good hands. You don't worry. Um, Baker's got to cut it. So, um, yeah, I've been telling everyone, he's going he have no problem making transition in the NFL. People doubted him in college and now in the NFL, and I still, I still think he's got the – the capability to do whatever he wants at that level. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back uh, with more Cody Thomas in just a minute. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, alongside Joe Masato from the Oklahoma and Cody Thomas. And this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zach. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. Still joined by Cody Thomas. And, uh, Cody, wanted to turn our attentions to baseball a little bit. Uh, first of all, at OU, how tough was it bouncing back? Because you made a couple of decisions, uh, uh, one to step away from football to concentrate on uh, or to step away from baseball to concentrate on football and then made that decision in reverse. How tough was that to, to keep up with your development in both sports as you uh, made those decisions? Um, yeah, it was definitely tough. Um, my first year was the only year I actually did both all the way through. Um, in school like Oklahoma, you know, football takes precedent. Obviously, my scholarship was from there, and so I was trying to it got bad when I got into the spring when I was doing baseball, but I was still juggling spring football with the workouts and everything. Um, I actually ended up coming down with mono because I just I drove my body into the ground and you know juggling student life, all that other stuff. So 
um, after that year, I had promised myself that I wouldn't let my, I wouldn't get into that situation again where I was just all go all the time, just wearing myself out. I really wasn't developing the way I wanted to because I wasn't really devoting all my time to one thing. I'd show up late to baseball practice would miss some throwing sessions with football, you know, just trying to juggle both. So that's what sort of prompted the decision. Um, when the quarterback battle was open, uh, to set out baseball that year so I could focus on football and, and try and win the starting job. Um, and then after that 2015 season, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, when, yeah, when Baker had started and I was back up again, um, I went home during the Christmas break and I was just thinking about what I was going to do. Um, cause obviously I wasn't going to have a chance to start a quarterback that next coming year. Um, so I had, I'd made the plans to graduate in the spring, which would have, um, let me transfer, graduate transfer and play immediately somewhere. And I, I told my football coaches, Hey, look, I won't be participating in spring football, all that. Um, and I was just thinking, I was like, well, since I've been here, I haven't given any of my time to baseball, really, and I really don't want to sit here for a whole semester and just go to class. Just the way I'm wired, I'm just going to be bored out of my mind. So um, I called Coach Hughes up, and he had always said the door would be wide open for me, and I called him, and he invited me out to the uh, preseason practices. Um, at the time, they didn't have a roster spot for me on the baseball team, but I was like, that's better than nothing because I still don't want to be just sitting at home <laughs> and going to class. And sure enough, the uh, the night before the first game, NCAA granted him the roster spot back uh, to to let me play. So up until the day before the first first game of the season, I I didn't even have a job on the baseball field either. Wow, I don't I don't Which think I'd ever people, most people didn't know that. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever heard about that before. That's uh, that's interesting. When did you make the decision then? to just focus on baseball and, and sort of leave football behind or, or was that something that just came gradually uh, through that season? Yeah, it was probably gradually. It was probably mid-season. Um, I started the first day of the season. Um, I think maybe that first weekend series I got to play. And then I, I sat the bench for a little bit and then I came back in um, sort of midway through the season and started doing well and just about the time where I started thinking like well if I'm going to go to a different school and play football I need to start contacting coaches that was sort of it sort of came at the same time that the MLB scouts started contacting me about getting drafted and before then it, it really wasn't much of a thought in my in my head and uh so once I started getting contacted by scouts and stuff and started doing well um on the baseball field I just you know I prayed about it a lot, thought about it a lot, and just, just thought it was God's way of telling me at that time, you know, this is where I should be, this is what I should be doing. Um, you know, playing playing all the way growing up and through high school, baseball had sort of something that kind of burned me out, and football was something that was new and exciting for me, and I kind of had put baseball on the back burner for a while. Um, but that spring uh, season kind of got me to fall back in love with it again, and um, sort of just took off with it and, and went, out, went all in on it. And then what was it like to get drafted by the Dodgers there? What was it, I think, the 13th round of the 2016 draft? Um, obviously a, a franchise that is uh, well-renowned, but at that time 
was sort of building up uh, t- to what they've become over the last few years. Uh, what did you think initially when you got picked by the Dodgers, and what was your, your first experiences like, uh, I guess, uh, going to the, the Arizona Fall or Arizona Rookie League and, and then to Ogden? Yeah, I mean, it was just such an honor for me. Um, you look at it, and, you know, I got a chance to play football and baseball at historically probably the top-tier football program in the history of uh, sports and then arguably the most historic baseball organization in MLB. So um, just being able to be a part of something like that is, is really special for me and something I don't take for granted. Um, but, yeah, and then you hear about professional baseball and then you get to call and you get shipped out to Arizona and you start <laughs> playing uh, in the AZL. It's like, where are the fans? Where, where's everything? This is professional baseball. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you get hit with reality a little bit there, um, but then you get you get sent to affiliate ball, and it just gets better as you go up. Obviously, as far as the fans, fan base, or and whatnot. But um, yeah, getting to play in Ogden that first short season was awesome. Um, great, great affiliate, great city, great people. Um, it was just an awesome experience to uh, to get drafted first off by the Dodgers, and then get to go experience that. You mentioned the the fans and and the different numbers there, but uh, when you think about either the in game experiences or or travel or the clubhouse slash locker room uh, experiences, what's sort of the biggest culture shock as you make your way from Division One football with with everything that comes with that, especially at a place like Oklahoma, to uh, you know low level minor league baseball? Yeah, I mean. Pretty much everything, <laughs> starting with the travel. Um, you know, we weren't taking any buses except for OU Texas, um, which is an experience in itself. But, you know, flying chartered, you know, driving up right to the one runway, hopping on the plane and going is a whole different deal than a 12 hour bus ride uh, sitting to a seat, you know. So it, it's been fun. Um, it's been a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything, um, and it, it's just been awesome to be able to come up, come up through the Dodger system. And then, what was it like this year to to come back uh, to Tulsa? You're you're not from Oklahoma, from the, from the Dallas area, but still, you know, relatively close to home for you. But but also, I know a lot of uh, Drillers fans are also OU fans, so they get to uh, see What was that experience like uh, in, in 2019, spending that, that year in Tulsa? Yeah, like you said, I'm not from Oklahoma, but going to OU for three years, um, Oklahoma started to feel like home. And um, compared to all the other places I've been to play in professional baseball so far, Utah, Michigan, and California, uh, this definitely felt like the most home feeling for me. And... Um, I mean, there's Sooner fans out there every night. I'd be in the outfield hearing boomers every game. It was just, it was really cool. Um, people are still following and people are showing up and um, just being back in the state of Oklahoma was just something that I uh, that I cherished and um, had, a, had a lot of fun this year. And how do you feel like your, your development has gone from a, from a baseball standpoint uh, this season? Uh, good. Um, I think it was another year that I made strides. Um, Obviously, my first year in Double A um, had had a bunch of ups, had some downs, um, but I think it was good. I think it was it was a great le- learning experience for me, and 
Um, at the end of the day, this, this game of baseball is just a game of adjustments, and um, got to see um, just a, a whole new arsenal of how pitchers are going to pitch me uh, and stuff like that and how I need to combat it. And now we're going to an offseason, um, looking for ways to to uh, adapt and, and change and hopefully be back better and better or better and stronger next year. So uh, I thought it went well, though. Um, we made it to championship game, champion, championship series to game five. Didn't get it quite done, but um, we had a great time. And, again, looking forward to next year. How much does pitching change as you, you get uh, up into the top levels of, of minor league ball? Because, you know, at, at AA, you're starting to see guys who are at least considered for, you know, jumps to the big leagues. I think a lot of people think of, you know, AA as maybe the the best uh, prospect level um, in, in minor league baseball. But how different is the, the pitching that you saw this year versus what you'd seen in your first couple of years uh, in minor league baseball? Yeah, I just think it becomes more of a, um, a mental game, a thinking game in the box a little bit. Um, a chess match, you could, you could say. You know, everyone in this day and age throws hard. So that's something, Velo is something I've been able to see at all the levels. But um, I mean, like this year, I would say the biggest thing was like, getting into a 2-0, hitters count, and you can't expect just a fastball over the plate. Um, these pitchers are confident enough in their, their off-speed pitches to throw them when they're behind, and that's something I had to adjust on because I would just sit there and take a million off-speed pitches for strikes because I wasn't used to used to people being able to command it as much. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing, though. And, Cody, I wanted to go back to your uh... – your time at OU for for one last question looking back at it whether it's you know and, and something that happened on the field something that happened in practice something that happened you know even away from from the game you know what's what's maybe the the biggest memory that stands out to you about something specific that happened to you uh in Norman um I don't know I just the, the people I miss always the people and um like when I go back this weekend, I'm meeting up with a bunch of guys I play baseball with, and um, here when, when OU Texas comes into Dallas, I have a bunch of my football buddies in town, and just being able to see them, the relationships I built at OU will will last a lifetime, and uh, that's definitely what I miss the most. The football when it's, on Saturdays, I'll miss football, but um, just the people and the relationships I made were were something that you just can't. You can't change a trade for, so yeah, I definitely say that. And when you come to Norman this weekend, where's the one place that you've got to go? Whether it's uh, you know to grab something to eat or or something else, where uh, where do you have to return oh, to? Man. There's a lot of spots. <laughs> uh, I don't know where to start here. Um, let's see, maybe for. For breakfast, the diner. I love the diner. That'd be my spot. Midway, grocery, the sandwich place. Yeah, was uh, was always a good one for me. Um, possibly Tarmahara's to get a margarita. We'll see. Yeah, you gotta and uh, you gotta go there. You gonna go to the Mont? Or see, that's were you, more. Were you ever a Mont? My guy? girlfriend likes the Mont. My girlfriend likes the Mont. Um. Any place on campus corner, though, I'll probably be at. 
All right, Cody. You know, it's fun, a good time in Campus Corner. So, <laughs> absolutely. Well, all right. Well, hey, Cody, we'll uh, let you get back to it. But I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join the podcast today. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we're going to be back on the other side of the break uh, with the, more the Sooners Extra podcast. Once again, I'm Ryan Aber. Uh, don't forget to bookmark RedRiverRivalry.com for Oklahoma, Texas Week as we launch a 24-hour, seven-day-long pop-up radio station celebrating this historic rivalry. We look forward as we go live on October 5th in preparation for the October 12th showdown. I'm Ryan Aber, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zach. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. Once again, we want to thank former OU quarterback Cody Thomas for taking the time to join us. Now I'm back with uh, Joe Masato, and uh, we're going to start talking predictions, uh, take some mailbag questions, and uh, go from there as I scroll back through my Twitter timeline to find uh, some mailbag questions. Um, first of all, a question about the polls, Joe. And I'm an AP voter, um, but I, I know you you follow that. Um, how do you feel about OU dropping a couple spots over the last couple weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a product of who they've played, and, and you know, it seems like. Again, I'm not a voter. You could tell, you could explain more about the process, but teams getting passed up on a bye week has long been um, a, th- a thing that's happened. So I think I think the bye week has more to do with it than anything. Um, I'm not sure Ohio State deserved to to move past Oklahoma. I mean, the who did they face last week? I'm blanking. Miami of Ohio. Right? Yeah, Miami of Ohio. They scored like seventy something points, so probably doesn't warrant them moving up, but. Um, yeah, AAP poll talk has been pretty uh, a hot topic around the office. Uh, <laughs> talking to you, Barry Trammell. Uh, <laughs> made oh, a fun, Barry. He's not an AP voter, but uh, his his poll got a lot of people talking. Yes, it definitely did for sure. And and Barry has a different way of looking at it. Barry looks at it as just what we've seen on the field. So, you know, he's right. If you're evaluating by just what we've seen on the field, it's really hard not to have a team like Auburn. Yeah. Uh, number one, I've actually gone back and forth over whether to vote like that. Um, haven't quite got to that point. I do, and it especially gets magnified after four or five weeks. I do start taking just clean slate looks every week, which can lead to some wild jumps. And also sometimes, not very often, but sometimes where a team loses and actually moves up spots based on everything around them. I actually I moved Texas A&M up a spot mm-hmm. this week which was you know much more based on UCF and Michigan losing as much as anything and Texas A&M playing a relatively uh, competitive game over the weekend. I think you know there's a there's a decent shot that uh, Texas A&M could prove to be a uh, be a pretty good team and they start winning some of these tight games against the highly ranked competition and they stay there move up or they keep losing them and eventually they've got to drop down so i i know i got some uh had some big 12 fans not too happy <laughs> with me because of that screaming sec bias but you know i i just i sometimes have a different way of looking at that i know it leads to um 
my pole is generally not one of the ones that uh, configures extremely closely with how the, the actual pole turns out, but I'm all right with that, um, with the way I set it up. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I don't know. I, I like the AP poll because everyone has a different process. Everyone has a different way of ranking teams. I know you take it very seriously. Hopefully everyone does, but sometimes we see lapses in Although, the polls. I, well, here's the deal. I will say there are clearly some people who don't take it seriously. And uh, Barry wrote about this, and I'm going to, you know – hammer back on is it about cal washington yes it's about okay. cal washington i'm looking at your, you 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 do not need to tattoo i am stupid on your forehead because you ranked cal <laughs> above washington yes congratulations like same person <laughs> who in the world could rank washington a three and one washington team over a four and oh cal team that beat the huskies well it's i could give absurd. you i could give you several names because it is public but i don't want to call anyone out right now no <laughs> let's call people out if you've got the names, call. I don't. I don't have the grid in front of me. Um, a lot of times I do. Yeah, I mean it's just quite a few, honestly. Um, it, it's hard to see one by one, but um, I don't know what site you use, but collegepolltracker.com. If if you guys aren't aware of that, it's something during football and basketball season. You can see the AP poll, and you can hover over a team, and it'll basically highlight it for you where everyone ranks. So. I'm looking at our uh, man Ryan Abers poll right now, and it uh, <laughs> it looks it looks well, good. Okay. At least Cal 18, Washington 20. Yeah, which uh, again is absolutely how it should be. So here's the deal: I'm just going to go down the <laughs> list, and we're going to find the people because it's I, absurd. I, I did not want to do this. Uh, I, I don't. Oh, we're we're going to do it. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Uh, Aaron McMahon for from uh, M Live has Washington 17 and Cal 22. What? Uh, Alex Schiffer, Kansas City Star, Washington 19, Cal 23. Again, what? There's some people that don't. I guess I have to name a name now. Um, Davis Potter from the Casper Star Tribune does not have Cal ranked. But here's the deal. Oh, yeah, Washington 17, so a little bit of a problem. (laughs) Um, This could take a while if we're going to go through all. all. I don't think we need to do this. Point point taken. Let's not go through. Uh, Audrey Dahlgren (laughs) has Washington 17, Cal 18. At that point, sorry. It's absurd to me. They played head-to-head on the field. We know what the results would be. They were, and this game was at Washington. It was a road game for Cal, and they went to Washington and won 20-19. Yeah, so... If you if look, the on-field results don't matter. Then why are we here? Yeah, exactly. And, and to that results point, I get why you as an AP vote. I mean, you guys would basically get killed if you ranked your polls the way that Barry ranks it. But Barry makes this process very clear. He basically says, if the college football playoff was this weekend, who would get in? He would have Cal in. Cal won at Washington. Um, and Cal won at Ole Miss, so they've got a basically as good of a resume as anyone, and that's why we are talking about the Golden Bears yeah, so much. I, I will say, I'm going down this list, and, and there seems to be more and more people who are sane. Uh, as we go down, the, 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 the uh, early alphabet first names, because this is in <laughs> alphabetical by first name, it, w- it was a rough start for the A's and B's, but... So uh, sanity it, increases as you go down the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I will say, once you get to really 
I'm looking at my poll uh, right now. You know, once you get outside of about 10 to 12, things get really difficult. Um, yeah. And that's going to be the case for the rest of the year. But um, I'll uh, I'll stop my ranting uh, briefly. Whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. Oh, no. no we got I got to go back. Oh, no. uh, Tom Bragg from the Charleston Gazette Mail. Take a look at this. Are, are we poll. trying to make enemies here uh, on this yes. show? <laughs> when this is the subject, we'll make enemies. Tom Bragg has Washington 13th and Cal 21st. I just wonder if some of this is just an oversight and you're not even paying attention. I don't know. I don't know. We're, I mean, we're doing our own. Listen, it's a whole. It's uh, easier to, to use the oversight if we're talking about. Uh, 10 weeks through the season. Yeah. But when you're just talking about four, in my mind, you know, it, it shouldn't be that difficult. But anyway. G- I, G- Gary Parrish from CBS Sports does his uh, poll attacks <laughs> column during college basketball season. We have done our own poll attack segment on uh, today's podcast. Yes. And, again, I'll reiterate, it's a tough gig to do. It's tough to rank, and you're doing it generally either really late at night or early in the morning after you've had a late night the, the week the night before i try to stay up and do it on uh, saturday nights um i have to wait for that pack 12 after dark game to to finish which last week oh my was a chore but it was uh, it was really fun uh to sit there and watch that game but anyway we'll we'll get off the uh the poll attacks uh segment but we want to uh, answer a question from Matt Walters, uh, who says, what improvements are a reasonable expectation from the defense coming off the bye week? Does Grinch install more complicated schemes or, schemes or fine-tune uh, the fundamentals? I don't think things are going to get more complicated. I think the whole trademark of an Alex Grinch defense is that he wants to move guys. He wants guys to move quickly and therefore not complicate things. Um, he, he's preached that since the beginning. I mean, I'm sure they'll put in uh, more things based on opponents during during Big 12 play, but it's it's not like it's not like an offense where you say, okay, maybe they're holding back. I don't think the defense is really holding anything back. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's just uh, some small fine-tuned things. It's not about uh, anything major anything complicated because he doesn't want it to be complicated the whole point is being able to go fast that's what speed d is all about and and i think you're going to keep keep seeing progress out of the defense um as they move forward i i think in my mind there's little doubt that this is a better defense how much better remains to be seen not sure how much we figure out this weekend uh given Texas Tech's uh, quarterback situation and the fact that even with Alan Bowman, the Red Raiders haven't been, uh, you know, fantastic offensively. But, uh, uh, you know, really interested to see what this defense does and if they're able to, to go out there and, you know, hold Texas Tech to, you know, two or three touchdowns, then you got to feel pretty good about things here moving forward. Uh, can, can I ask my own question for a, for a mailbag coming from me? Sure. Um, it depends if I can answer it. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. Well, so yesterday we asked, you know, Lincoln Riley about Derek King. I think this is a fascinating thing because it would it's unprecedented. Today, Bovada puts out odds. 
of where De'Aaron King will field his first snap next season. Houston is the pretty overwhelming favorite. Oklahoma is next in line, followed by Georgia, UCLA, Cal, Cal getting plenty of shout-outs, and Kansas State. Where do you think De'Aaron King will play next season? You know, I I think the, the transfer train stops for Oklahoma. I think that uh, for once Oklahoma has a quarterback that they feel really good about moving forward. I think Spencer Rattler is going to be the guy, although I I think they also feel pretty good about uh, Tanner Mordecai. But uh, I think the quarterback situation here, as far as you look at guys who came up in this system, is uh, in a really good spot. And I think that they're going to ride with that, and they would rather do that versus – you know, one year of De'Aaron King, I think it worked out perfectly in the Jalen Hurts uh, scenario. What happened obviously worked out fantastically with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield as well. But I think the transfer train stops. I actually sort of it, – it's really hard. Initially, I didn't buy it. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I think De'Aaron King is going to be back at Houston. And this is sort of a, a tank year for the Cougars, even if Dana Holgerson won't say it. And they use it to – uh, get more acclimated to his system and to bring in players that fit in his system. And I, I think that uh, he convinces De'Eric King to hang around for another year. I agree, um, although I think it's very, very, very risky. Like, if unless this was De'Eric King's decision on his own and he says, okay, we're off to a 1-3 and three start, I want to come back next year. But if, if someone on the staff was like, hey, if you redshirt and come back, we're going to be better next year, fresh start. Well, nothing would stop De'Aaron King from transferring to a Power 5 school where he would have a chance to compete for the college football playoff. Houston might go, you know, 12-0 and and, and not get in. So um, it's interesting to see a, a group of five school do this, but I'm all for it. I, I think it would be... I think it would be fascinating if, like, some form of tanking was brought to college football because of the most unintended consequence of this redshirt rule. Yeah, and you you got to talk to Lincoln Riley a little bit about that uh, on Wednesday, and and I thought it was interesting, you know, all the things that he had to say about it. Yeah, I mean, he he basically said that you know no one expected this to happen, and he doesn't want to put himself in Derek King's shoes. He says that in situations like these, there's almost always more underneath what we hear and see on the surface but he said that in a team sports context this isn't good for the game basically and you know Lincoln at various points has been against some forms of the transfer rules even though it's greatly greatly benefited him Um, just look at Jalen Hurts um, and those who have come before him but um, you know I don't think he or a lot of coaches want to see this and I think that you also see coaches Around this four-game mark, um, Lincoln didn't describe it as nerves, but he said there's conversations that have to happen, redshirt conversations, transfer conversations that have have to happen, you know, in early October and late September that only previously happened after the season. Yeah, so that that's fascinating, and we'll see, you know, if any other uh, redshirt options or, or transfers come out. Over the next few weeks, uh, we we heard of, obviously about Jonathan Perkins being in the portal um, recently this week. So we'll see. Uh, Joe, we talked about predictions for OU Texas Tech the other day. Uh, you had it forty nine twenty one Sooners. I had fifty two to twenty one. So uh, right there, it looks like everybody had sort of in that same ballpark. I think the most points scored 
among our pickers was Barry Trammell, who had OU 58-28, to 28, uh, which uh, several people picked uh, right in that ballpark. Scott Wright and Jacob Unruh apparently channeling each other and both going with 56-28. to 28. Um, Joe, what what's another game, though, that you're really keeping an eye on this uh, Saturday? Well, last week we talked about all the great games. Um, this week's a little light. I mean, you can even look. I'll, I'll just mention where game day is going, and that's Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Ohio State at Nebraska. Um, Ohio State's favored by 15.5. I picked it as a three-point game. think that Nebraska might be able to play them close. But other than that, I mean, I, I will watch basically any college football game whenever we're free not covering OU, but not a ton of great options this week. Yeah, really not. You know, the the game that's interesting to me is that UC, USC at Washington game because I think we're going to find out a lot about both those two teams. I've been really impressed with USC yeah. uh, to this point, the way that they've had all these quarterback uh, issues, and to be able to still be where they are right now is pretty incredible. But uh, the Virginia-Notre Dame game I think will be interesting, although uh, I, I, I think Notre Dame wins that game. Uh, you know, relatively handily. I think I, I went 34 to 17 with it. Um, but uh, I'm glad that last week was the bye week for OU rather than this week because uh, there's there's a lot of games to watch last week and, and really enjoy it. This week I'll be glad to watch OU and Texas Tech and yeah. be happy with it. Yeah, I mean, just to throw one other game out there, um, Iowa State Baylor could – definitely create some sort of separation even i know it's so early but in the big 12 just because those two teams on a neutral site i mean it's a one and a half point game that's where the line is it's basically a pick em. so just to see who's better i thought it was interesting i was the only only person on our pick grid to pick baylor the rest in favor of the cyclones but that'll be a, that, a good game in the big 12 that's a game i had a problem with uh, deciding even though i didn't pick it to be extremely close 37 to 28 I sort of went back and forth on it. Um, I'm still not too sure about either one of those teams because yeah. Baylor hadn't played anybody, and Iowa State lost to the only team that it's played, uh, really. So um, be interesting to see there. But uh, anyway, back to OU Texas Tech. Uh, OU uh, will host Texas Tech on Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, we're going to cut it off there. We're going to be back with a special uh, postgame podcast after the game. Be back next week to talk about OU Kansas and review this game a little bit more. Thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast from the Oklahoman. You can drop us a line through email at r at r a b e r at oklahoma.com or on Twitter at r y aber or j masato at oklahoma.com is my email and that is at joe underscore masato m u s s a t t o. Two S's, two T's for Joe. The Sooners Extra Podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage.